Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit hopechurchmemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. We're beginning or concluding our sermon series on word search. As you know, I chose for my word, progress, not perfection, in saying no. And I was going to say no for the first quarter of the year to unhealthy snacks, no to taking extra tasks, and no to trying to always correct negative people or toxic people. On the latter two, uh, I've done fairly well. Uh, On the unhealthy snacks, uh, as you can see on the board, I think, I did okay when it came to um, all of those things. Chips, um, I faltered a little bit on my Skins, I think that was Saturday. And then on Friday, I got weak and had a, a Coke. It wasn't a Coke. It was a strawberry soda. Um, but it's been almost three weeks since I had a sour jelly bean. Hey, that's big for me. I don't know about you, but that, that's big for me. I feel like I'm almost sober now. Amen. Now notice I said 70%. Somebody saw me at the store and said, uh, hey, ah, pastor, you said you weren't good. I said, I didn't say all. I said 70%. And so I gave myself a little wiggle room, a couple of cheat days. And so um, that's where I am. My question is, how are you doing on your word? How are you doing on your word? How would others that you have entrusted to hold you accountable, how would they say you're doing on your word? We have 50 days left uh, as it relates to this challenge. So today I want to look at a word that relates to all of us, and it is the word me, the new me, me, the new me. Now, this sermon will have a little bit more depth, and I will ask a little bit more audience involvement, if you don't mind. If you say amen, then I know I can go a little bit deeper, and you will be a little bit more involved. Is that okay? That was kind of weak, but I'll take it as a yes. Our passage today begins fatalistic but it ends optimistic. It begins fatalistic, but it ends optimistic. In fact, anyone that is willing to be honest with themselves will have to agree that the Apostle Paul is speaking directly to me. He is describing his occasional experience, not his day-to-day experience. He's describing his occasional experience in this passage, not his day-to-day experience. And so when we read it, you will see it began fatalistic, but it will end optimistic. 
Romans 7, we're reading, or I'll read it in your hearing. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this law, a constant. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, my reason, and taking me prison, prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man that I am, or wretched woman that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? That's the fatalistic. Here's the optimistic. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. I don't know about you, but that's me. That's me. The Apostle Paul is describing. He uses this word me or I or myself or you 30 times in these few verses. And again, if I'm being honest, it describes my struggle to a T. It is his occasional struggle. It is not his day-to-day -day struggle. So here's the sermon in a sentence. When I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, my old ungodly soul is victoriously controlled. When I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, my old ungodly soul is victoriously controlled at this point. The Mosaic Law told people what to do, but it did not give them the power to do it. Jesus Christ came on earth and he showed us what to do, but he also gave us a corresponding power to do it. That's God the Holy Spirit, his presence while he is away. Paul is writing to the Roman Jesus followers and saying to them, even pagan Roman citizens know what to do, but they don't have the ability to do it. And he is reminding those Jesus followers in Rome, despite the culture that you live in, you have the gospel and that empowers you to be able to not only know what to do, that which is right or godly, but it empowers you to be able to do it. Now I had, and I do have, let me 
um, illustrate. I have two glasses of tea here, both are tea. And you know tea has a tart, bitter taste. That's the composition of the tea. One is sweet, the other one is unsweet. One is sweet, the other one is unsweet. Can you tell which one it is by looking? Can you? Probably can. And you can? You want to come taste it? No? Okay. You can't tell, but both are tea. However, one has been sweetened. It still has a tart taste, but it's changed. And so it is with the old me and the new me. The composition is the same, but something has changed. So let me say these three things, and then I will take my seat. There's an old me, and there's a new me. Now here comes the involvement part. I want you to read it. You can take a screenshot of it. Let's read it together. And when we're reading, we're going to pause at every comma, park at every period. We're reading. The Apostle Paul speaks to our, are you reading with me? Let's do it again. The Apostle Paul speaks to our, by contrasting our lower nature, which is unable to obey God's standards, to our higher nature that does obey God's standards, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. The I here also contrasts the unregenerate person versus the regenerate person, the biologically born person versus the spiritually born again person, the yielded Jesus follower versus the unyielded Jesus follower. So point number one here, the apostle is offering an explanation, not an excuse. He's offering an explanation of our behavior sometimes, but not an excuse. He is explaining the struggle between the old me and the new me, an explanation, but not an excuse. Paul says the struggle is real, and we can identify with that, but the victory is also real, and we can identify with that. The struggle is real. But the victory is also real. It's what Jesus was embodying in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said to his father, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It's what he said to his disciples in that same garden. The flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let me give an example of that. How many of you have an alarm clock? And like me, I set it for 5.30 a.m. in the morning because my spirit is willing to get up at 5.30. But then I look over once it goes off and I see that orange button and it says, some of you know what I'm talking about, snooze for 10 more minutes and my flesh gets weak and I hit the snooze button. 
The spirit is willing to get up at 5.30, but my flesh is weak, and I hit that snooze button for 10 more minutes, or 20 more minutes, or 30 more minutes. <laughs> it's an explanation, not an excuse. Here's the second thing, and I know this experientially. There's an old me and a new me living in the same soul. There's an old me and a new me that is living <clears throat> in the same soul. And remember, he starts off fatalistic, but he ends up optimistic. Now, I want to read it again, Romans chapter 7. In the Living Bible translation, this time, I'll read it alone. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I am doing what I don't want to, it is plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. But there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war with my mind, my reason, and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead, I find myself still enslaved to sin. So you see how it is? My new life tells me to do right. But the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly old nature? That's how he begins. But that's not how he ends. He is talking about the duality of my old me and new me. Now let's read it again. This is everybody reading. The soul, sometimes called our human spirit, is my invisible inner being, the real me. It is eternal. Ecclesiastes 12 teaches, and the dust returns to the earth as it once was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. The soul was not completely corrupted by original sin. Every person is indwelt with a conscience, a noble side and an ignoble side. Plus, every person has human willpower, but it is not enough to consistently sustain goodness. However, the Jesus follower is also indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Keep reading with me. A new capacity to, con 
although not perfection. He or she has a power inside that my soul. I think I have it listed for you. Here's an acronym to help you remember what God has put inside of us. He has put inside of us these characteristics that make us in the image of God. It's my soul. The first thing he gives us is volition. Volition. The second is intellect. You got to remember these or the sermon will never end. C is conscience. This is what God has breathed into each one of us. E, emotion. S, self-awareness. The V, vocabulary. I'm confused. Yeah. And the M is memory. Whatever. You got it, right? That's my soul. And why is that important? Because whatever enters my eye gate, whatever enters my ear gate, whatever enters my mental gate impacts my soul. And I'll either let the old me win or the new me win. It depends on what I allow to enter my soul. V is volition. God has given us all, write it down, the ability to choose. We have the ability to choose. He's given us intellect, the ability to think. I can think godly or ungodly, like him or not like him. He's given us a conscience, the ability to discern good from evil. Now, every person God has put in their souls a conscience, agnostic, atheist, or religious, but for the Jesus follower, he has also infused us with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then permeates and makes us more sensitive to the things of God, but also empowers us to be able to do it. Then he has given us emotions, the ability to feel. Do you not know, and I know you do, that whatever enters your eye gate, it can change your feeling? Whatever enters your ear gate, it can change your feelings? Whatever enters your mental gate, it will impact your feelings? It impacts all elements of our souls. S is self-awareness of who I am who others are, and what surrounds me. The V is for vocabulary, the ability to speak or communicate. And M is memory, the ability to recall. That's why I have to be careful 
what enters my eye gate, my ear gate, my mental gate, because if not, I will recall guilt. I will recall shame. I will recall failure rather than what God has really endowed me with. He's forgiven a long time ago. Now, you remember these acronyms? And then I move to the last point. Don't look at your paper, put them down, turn them over. Look up at me. This is your soul. V is for the ability to choose. I, the ability to think. C, the ability to discern good from evil. E, the ability to feel. S, the ability to know myself, what's around me, and to know others. V, the ability to speak or communicate. And M, memory, the ability to recall. Whatever enters my ear gate, my eye gate, my mental gate will impact my soul. Let me close with this. But the apostle closes with a praise. And his praise is, thank God that the gravity of my flesh is overpowered by the helium of his spirit. So he reads, we read what he says. Thank God, thank God, thank God. I don't know about you, but when you have struggled, like the apostle says, with the old me and the new me, and God gives you another power, you can't help but to do what he did. In the Greek, he is shouting, actually, thank God, thank God, thank God, it has been done by Christ our Lord. He has set me free. Remember when he said, oh, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Oh, wretched man that I am. But thank God, thank God, thank God, he has delivered me from the body of this death. He has set me free. So there is now no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Jesus Christ. For the power of the life-given spirit and this power is mine through Christ Jesus who has freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Watch this. I have here a balloon and it is subject to the law of gravity which says what? Whatever must, let's see if that's true. Yeah? Let me throw it up a little higher. It's still coming down. Let me throw it up with a little bit more vigor. <laughs> it still came down. That's like the old me. The old me is like the power of gravity. It will drag me down. But thank God, thank God, thank God, there's another law in operation. It's the helium of the spirit. Now, I take this balloon, and guess what? It defies the law of gravity. Rather than staying down, this balloon stays up.
because that's the law of aerodynamics. And that's what God has given to you and me. Paul says, this is my occasional experience with the gravity of the old me dragging me down, but my dominant experience is the helium of the spirit that holds me up no matter what happens. Thank God, thank God, thank God. In fact, you and I can say just the opposite of what Paul says. In fact, he can say it. When I want to do evil, I don't. And when I want to do good, I do. Because of the helium of the Spirit of God. It overpowers the gravity. Some of us have believed that the gravity of the old me has to keep me down and I can't help it. No, no, no. The Spirit or the helium of the Spirit of God will hold me up no matter what I'm going through. That's why he praises. It starts fatalistic, but thank God it ends optimistic. The gravity of the old me does not have to hold me down. The helium of the new me can overpower it and it will hold me up no matter what I am going through. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, our Father, thank you. that you have given us in your word an explanation, not an excuse. We know from our own experience there are two me's, an old me and a new me that lives in the same soul. So I pray that you would help us to be very careful of what we consume with our eye gate, our ear gate, in our mental gate, because whatever comes in will impact my volition, my ability to choose, my intellect. It will impact my thinking, my conscience. It would distort my sense of good and evil, my emotions. It would distort my emotions, my self-awareness. Make me forget who I am. Help me to control what comes in my mind and through my eyes and through my ears because it will control my vocabulary and my memory. So thank you that you have given us the helium of the Spirit to hold us up and not be defeated by the gravity of the old me. In the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openeisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.